1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say that out loud. God is faithful. And the specific area of faithfulness that he's talking about pertains to temptation, being tempted. He's faithful in that he will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above what you're able, what you're able to resist and not give in to. Uh, like we said last night, there are a number of people that have taken this verse and twisted it and think it means or even say that it means God won't put more on you than you can stand. And that's not what this said. It's not even close to what this said. I know a lot of people read it that way. Some people misquote it that way. But know who is doing the tempting. It's not God. We saw last night in, um, in James, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. Scripture said don't let anybody say that. Because God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt any man or woman with evil. So God's not doing the tempting. No. Can we agree on that? Amen. Well, if God's not going to allow you to be tempted, then he's not uh, restricting himself. He's not doing the tempting. Who's doing the tempting? The enemy, the devil, he's restricting the enemy on your behalf. Instead of putting something on you, he's stepping in between you and the enemy saying, no, you can't tempt them any further than this. No, you can't. No, you can't. You, you see that portrayed in other portions of Scripture where the enemy's trying to get access to God's people. And even if they got some access, the Lord said, no, you can't. No further than this. No, no further than this. No, you can't. Well, that's not God putting something on you. <laughs> you know, if God's putting something on you and he's the one that's your problem, you're done for. Where are you going to go? Is that right? We might as well just give up and quit. But he's not our problem. He's the answer. He's not the one against us. He's the one who's for us. But there is an enemy. There is a devil. It seems like people either talk too much about the devil or not enough. And we need to be rightly divided. Get in the middle of the road about this. There is a devil. If you don't believe that, you just don't believe the Bible. And just like there are angels, well, there are uh, evil spirits and evil messengers. And they're unseen they are spirits, but their activities are real. And the child of God should never be afraid of the devil. If you're afraid of the devil, you don't know the truth. You're not thinking right. And if you've gotten your information about the devil and demons from Hollywood and movies and books, you are completely misinformed. Because it has nothing to do with reality. 
The enemy is behind a lot of those horror scripts because he wants to put fear in people. But the truth is, he and his cohorts are defeated foes. Jesus has stripped them, has brought them to naught. Now they can still cause you a lot of trouble if you yield to them. But we have authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And what we bind will be bound. And what we loose will be loosed. And if we resist the devil, he has to flee. But there are many, many Christian believers that are not resisting the enemy. He is at work in their life. He's doing all manner of things. And they never resist him. They never. They don't recognize that it's the enemy. Now, if you're waiting on something with horns and a pitchfork and a red suit to resist, you're going to keep waiting. Because that's, again, that's where, where did that image come from? That's got nothing to do with reality. Somebody say, what does the devil look like? The Bible tells you what he looks like. In 2 Corinthians, it says he transforms himself into an angel of light. He tries to pass himself off as a messenger from God. So if you're looking for horns and a pitchfork, you're going to completely miss this. He is a master actor and deceiver. He is the father of lies. There's never been a better liar, deceiver, more accomplished than him. All lying has come from him. Lying didn't exist until he created it. Are y'all with me? He fathered lying. Lying did not come from God. Deception. God has never been, never will be a partner to any kind of falseness, phoniness, or deception. And you can tell it's a good indicator of how much people of God are really godly and are really Christians and walking with the Lord, real believers are honest. People that have a relationship with the Lord, that are walking with the Lord, they don't go for lying. They don't go for phoniness. They don't go for fake. Are y'all with me? And uh, the Bible said God is a spirit and he seeks Uh, Those that would worship him in spirit and in truth. Total openness. Total honesty before him. The least bit of put on will be like a wall between you and him. Mm -hmm. Because you might fool some people, but you can't fool him. He sees right down inside you. (laughs) He knows what you know and what you don't. He knows if you're serious or if you're playing. And so if you want to really fellowship with him... You've got to, as they used to say, get real. (laughs) I guess they still say that. But anyway, uh, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. Uh, The literal, Young's literal translation says he'll make an outlet He'll make a way out. This is a great truth to keep in your mind.
to keep on the back burner all that no matter what comes up, God is faithful and he's made a way out. Hmm? And so you got a giant bill come up that you weren't expecting. Give me those two answers. God is faithful. He's made a way out of this. <laughs> you got a bad report about your body. Huh? God is faithful. He's already made a way out. Right? No matter, I mean, this works for everything. <laughs> no matter what the problem is. And when you hear the word temptation, uh, so many times people will go, to, their mind will gravitate to a few specific things. Tempted to uh, desire somebody else or somebody else's spouse or tempted to lie or steal. It's much bigger than that. Tempted to get angry. Tempted to be depressed. Tempted to doubt. Tempted to fear. Temptation covers many spectrums. But when you're pushed, when you're pressed to do something that you should not do, you're being tempted. It can be strong. It can be, I mean, we talked about last night, Jesus was tempted so severely uh, in the garden when he prayed right before the cross that blood came out of his pores. He was resisting, Hebrews said, sin. Resisting sin. He was resisting temptation. And he was tempted in all points, just like us. It's not a sin to be tempted, but he, unique among all of us, never sinned. He never yielded to the temptation. We need to identify where the pressure is coming from. And we realize that's the enemy. Then what do you do? Resist it. Resist it. And and as many times as it comes back, you resist it again. Resist it again. I heard a fellow say this some years ago. A preacher, and I thought it was uh, outstanding. It's a revelation. It sounds simple, but it's a great revelation. He said he was in a big city, and they had this new building that was the tallest building in the city. And uh, they invited him to come up to the top floor, and there was a little balcony. He walked out on it, and he's looking out over the balcony. He said, man, he's so high up. I mean, the cars look like tiny little toys, and people, he's so way up, and the wind's blowing. He said, a thought came to his mind. Why don't you just jump? A thought, just a thought came to his mind. Why don't you jump? And he turned around and said, I'm not going to jump, you jump. (laughs) Well, there's nobody up there but him, or is there? Where did that thought come from? Not just a thought, but an urge. Not just a thought, but these thoughts are accompanied with feelings. And one way you can tell the enemy, it's pressure. Pressure. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. You know you want to. Do it. Do it. He's an annoying cuss. <laughs> Problem is, it has worked all too well. It has worked. But let's learn to recognize those thoughts, those feelings, that influence, that push. Go on, do it. Do it. And you need to turn around and go, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to do that. Amen. Leave me. I resist you. 
Many times you need to open up your mouth. You need to say it right out loud. I resist you. Leave me. Hmm? Brother Hagin used to say this. Even the most holy saint of God has found at times uh, come to their mind thoughts and feelings that are not good, that are wrong, that are impure. Just because it came to you doesn't mean you created it or it came out of the middle of you. That's it right. came from out here That's right. to you. Hmm? You don't have to feel bad because the enemy brought something to you. Just don't receive it. Uh-huh. Don't dwell on it. Don't focus on it. Don't receive it. Resist it. Resist it. And what will happen? The Bible said, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Thank you, Lord. Is that okay? Go with me, please, to John 7th chapter. Temptation is something that a lot of people don't like, haven't talked about. It's something that church-going people tend to avoid talking about. People come to church, the ones that do, and there's a lot of people that should, but they don't. And one of the reasons a lot of people don't is because they're embarrassed. They're ashamed. They're yielding to stuff in their life that they know they shouldn't be. They feel condemned about it. And they they just stay, they try to stay away from God to try to not think about it. Because the closer they get to him, it comes up before them. And they realize, this is not right. This is not good. Shouldn't be doing this. And it's been preached uh, from some, you know, that God hates this and God hates that. And so they translate that into, well, God must hate me because I'm doing that. It's not true. I said it's not true. He hates sin. He loves you. Well, if I'm doing it, that means he hates me. No, it doesn't. No, the reason he hates the sin, one of the big reasons, is because what it does to you. How it hurts you, it ministers death to you. But there are people, and I don't mean just a few, that are in low, low place spiritually in that they, keep, they have continued to yield to the wrong thing over and over and over and over again. And they're at a place where they've prayed, they've repented, they've asked, you know, people to pray for them. They've, some folks have counseled, they've done different things and go right back to it and do it again. And they really have no hope that they can be free and have no, no faith that they can be free and are weak and defeated and just do it again. Now, anybody that's honest is not going to judge somebody like that. Amen. You have to be a hypocrite to judge somebody because you know yourself that you've missed it. Many areas, multiple times. And people categorize sins and go, well, this sin's not too bad. This is a real bad one here. Well, says who? The Lord's looking at the heart. And rebellion is rebellion. Disobedience is disobedience. He's looking at your heart. But what can you do if you are in that place where you feel helpless 
to change this, where you've got no hope, where you've got no strength. Well, I've found good news. (laughs) I have found, I'm so excited about this. I have found good news. You can be, as they say, at the end of your rope, at the point. And let me go further. Not only have you failed a thousand times, but here's another thing. You want to keep doing it. A part of you wants to do it. Doesn't want to quit. (laughs) What can you do? How can you get free? Well, friend, you can. I said you can. I'm going to give you two things the Lord gave me. And can you tell I'm excited about it? I mean, (laughs) because it works. It works. You can be as low as a person can be, and you can come all the way out doing what we're about to say. Number one, John 7, let's read that and then I'll talk more about it. John 7 and 17. I'll say it like this. There are two things that if you'll do it, victory is guaranteed. Number one, you must be willing to be willing. Somebody says, but I'm not willing. I know. But are you willing to become willing? Are you willing to get willing? In John 7 and 17, Jesus said this, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, whether I speak of myself. There's so much light right here. One of the greatest things Christians want to know is what's God and what's just me? What's God and what's man? Well, here he says, uh, let me read it to you from the Young's literal translation. If anyone may will to do his will, he shall know. If any man... Anyone, this is Young's literal translation, the same author of Young's Concordance. If anyone may will to do his will, what will happen? He'll know something. You'll know. You yield to the wrong thing long enough, you deceive yourself into what's right and what's not right. Right. You can't just keep doing something you you used to know was wrong. <laughs> you can't just keep doing it week after week, month after month, without deluding yourself into thinking you must have convinced yourself. Well, I know it maybe it's not good, but it's not that bad, and I'm okay, and long as nobody knows. And so, what used to be clear, black and white, has become muddled, fuzzy. Self-deceive. If any man's not a doer of the word, he deceives his own self. You can't even blame the devil for that. (laughs) You deceived your own self. Because there was a time, the first time you did it, this thing is not right. You may have to go back 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But the first, 60 years, the first time you did it, your heart bothered you. You knew it wasn't right. 
But after doing it for another five years, it's not so clear anymore. Well, how do you get back, if you're deceived into thinking something's wrong is okay, how do you get out of it? How do you get back to the light? It begins with this. If you're willing to be willing and willing to do his will. See, you're not there, but would you be willing to get there? Your flesh don't even want to do what's right. Your flesh wants to keep drinking. Your flesh wants to keep shooting up. Your flesh wants to keep snorting. Your flesh wants to keep, you know, partying in the wrong way. Whatever it is, your flesh wants to keep doing it, if that's the case. Now, if you'd have never gone that far down the road, it would have been so much easier. Your flesh wouldn't be like that. But the more you yield, the worse it gets. Eyes of man are never satisfied. Flesh can't be fulfilled. It takes this to satisfy you today. You keep doing it, it'll take twice that. Mm -hmm. Next month or the next. (laughs) How do you, if you're in a place where your body, your flesh is screaming for that, and it wants it, and you've been yielding for, and I'm I'm talking about you're a Christian. Can you love God? And do drugs? Can you love God? Lie? Steal? (laughs) I know of a guy that after he first got to the Lord, he was a musician in a band. He was on the road and had some success. And uh, he gave his heart to the Lord, but he's still out there with that crowd. And um, he'd come back to his trailer and uh, get high and read the Bible. (laughs) that was his lifestyle he'd load up with drugs and read the Bible he enjoyed doing that (laughs) was he really saved yeah did he love God he did you can can tell by listening to the way he talked about it he loved God why is he reading the Bible he's hungry and he's wanting to learn more about God but see his flesh See, your flesh didn't get born again. Well, it's going to do the same stuff it's been doing. Well, thank God, before too long, as he fed his spirit, and his spirit began to get stronger, it began to get clearer inside him, you don't need to be doing this. Now, some Christians look at that, and oh, they, you know, they get so irate and so self-righteous. But we need to see things the way God sees them. God is not shocked because somebody messed up. (laughs) he has seen humanity for every generation there's nothing he hadn't seen men do now doesn't please him it can grieve him but he loves you he wants you to be close to him he wants you to be free and uh, if there is in you a love for God And at least a desire to please him and do his will. He's got something to work with to get you started. (laughs) Brother Reader, you ready to help me out? 1 John 2, 
maybe I got a reference for you this time. Last night I was just hollering verses and no references. First John two fifteen. Let's read. Okay, two fifteen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love the world. The love for the world is opposed to love for God. And if you're going to get rid of something that your flesh loves, that the unrenewed part of your mind wants and wants to see and wants to hear and wants to do, it'll be because in your heart you love something else more. Elsewise, there won't be the strength to begin to, to get free. You must love him and want to please him more than what you want. Go with me, please, to uh, Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews 13 and 21. It's, this is a prayer. And this is a prayer you can pray for yourself at the lowest point you could possibly be. You have fallen in this same area a hundred times. More. Whatever it is. And the problem is you're, from part of you don't even want to give it up. And you got no hope, no strength of faith. What can you do? You can pray this prayer right here. You can say, Lord, I pray that you would make me perfect. That word perfect means complete. Make me complete in every good work to do what? To do your will. And work in me. Everybody say work in me. Work in well see if it was already there. You wouldn't need him to work in you. Mm, true. Work in me. That which is well pleasing. In your sight. Even if you don't feel like you're willing. Even if your flesh wants to do something contrary to his will. In your heart. You can choose and say. I may not be there right now. But I want to be. I want to be, I want to do what pleases you, Father. I want to get rid of things that displease you. And so I'm asking you. There's no reason why everybody can't ask this right now. Just say it out loud. Father God, I do love you. And I want to please you. And I want to get rid of all that displeases you. And I'm asking you. In the name of Jesus, make me complete in every good work to do your will. I'm asking you, work in me, work in me, work in me, that which is well pleasing in your sight. Hallelujah. I ask it in Jesus' name. Oh, somebody's already getting free. It's, it's already, it's already happening. 
It's all, I'm telling you, a bunch of people just over the course of these services are going to get free and are going to stay free. They're going to get free. I don't believe this is just Brother Keith talking. Going to get free. I believe it's the word of the Lord. We'll get free and stay free. Next week, next month, next year. Hallelujah. Because what you don't realize is when you're in bondage to all these things, you're not aware of all the good stuff that's not happening. That's supposed to be happening for you. Because this is in the way. And it's not that God is withholding from you. It's that you're just not in a position to receive. Your heart is weakened. Your faith is undermined. That's what sin does. And all of us have missed it. All of us have missed it in the same area. I'm talking about maybe your area was different from somebody else, but it was the same area for you multiple times. Number one, be willing to be willing. (laughs) Be willing to do his will. Look in, in Philippians. So you can ask what we just asked. You can pray. Now, let's refer to to 1 John. You don't have to go there. But if we prayed the Bible, is that the will of God? Yes. Well, then didn't he say, if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears it. We we just prayed the Bible. Did he hear that prayer you just prayed? And the verse goes on to say, and if he hears us, we know whatever petition we asked him, we know that we have it. Before we go a moment further, you know he heard that prayer and you know he's doing it. He is working in you. That which is well pleasing. He is perfecting and completing in you that which is according to his will. To do his will. It's happening in you right now. Were you serious about your prayer? Then it's happening right now. This is good news. You know the great thing about God? You can come to him, and we do from the beginning always, with absolutely nothing. (laughs) And he will give you whatever you need to get started, to come up, to come all the way out, he'll feed everything to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, Philippians 2. Are you there? Philippians 2 and 13. Now you can pray that prayer we just prayed in Hebrews 13, but you can say this after you've prayed. You can confess this over yourself. For it is God which works in you. You put me in there. Works in me. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not only to do it, but to will to do it. You might say, well, I don't even want to do it. You can get there. (laughs) If you'll let him. He will work in you to will to do it. And then once you start, once you get willing to do it, anoint you and give you the ability to do it. Both two things, both to will and to do of what pleases him. 
of his good pleasure. Let me read some of the translations of that. The New Century Version, NCV says, Because God is working in you to help you want to do and be able to do what pleases him. Come on, say it out loud. God, God. my God, God. is working in me to help me to to want to do and be able to do what pleases him. He's working in me. He's working. See, what the devil wants you to do is to just throw up your hands and go, there's no way. I can't. I've tried everything. It's hopeless. And if you say that and do that, you're stuck. You'll stay there. It'll get worse. But if we begin to believe the Bible and say what he said, no matter how far down you are, you start coming up. Why is one person able to say no to temptation and not yield to it, where the other person just keeps yielding to it and giving in? Why? Because one has strength in them to resist, and the other does not. Well, it comes from the Lord. And the one that does not have it can get it quickly. You asked for it, you got it. (laughs) Let me read the New Living Translation to you. Philippians 2.13. Don't let this verse get away from you. Mark it. If you need to, write it on your hand or something. I mean, get (laughs) get this in front of you. Get it in your mouth and in your mind. I'm talking particularly if you've been falling in an area and you want to come out and you want to put this behind you, get this in your mouth and in your mind. God is working in me, giving me the desire to do what pleases him and giving me the power to do what pleases him. Oh, well, friend, if you've got the desire to do what pleases him and you've got the power to do what pleases him, what are you going to do? What pleases him? You don't need anything else. <laughs> Said out loud, God, God is working in me. Working in me. Oh, come on, close your eyes. Said out loud, God, God my God, my is, God. Working in me. is working in me. Working in me. He's working in me all day. He'll work in me all night. And again tomorrow. And again the next. He's giving me. The desire to do his will. And he's working in me the power, the ability to do what pleases him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Put on the screen, if you would... uh, Hebrews 4 and about verse uh, 14 or so. Hebrews 4 and 14. It says, uh, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, is he there? Uh Where he ever lives to make intercession. (laughs) 
for you and I. He's for us. Oh, hallelujah. Romans 8 talks about that. Who is going to bring any charge against the one that God has justified and cleansed? It's not God. It's not Jesus. I mean, if Jesus had wanted us uh, found guilty, all he'd had to do is nothing. Right? Don't come. Don't go to the cross. Right? If the Father had wanted us judged, all he'd had to do is nothing. Don't send Jesus. He's not looking for reasons to judge us. He and the Master Jesus has gone to great lengths to not have to judge us. The judgment fell on Jesus so that we wouldn't get judged. He said, since we've got this great high priest, hold fast to our profession. Uh, Other translations say confession. This is what you say. The master, our high priest, works with what we say. He works with what we say. Now, on the other hand, the devil works with what you say, too. If you'll say what he wants you to say, he gets to work with that too. Verse 15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmity literally means weakness. Yielding to the wrong thing is being weak. We've all been weak. Doing what you know is wrong is being weak. Doing it repeatedly. Repenting and then doing it again. Repent and do it again. That's being weak. And the devil will tell you that you're a poor excuse for a Christian, if you even are a Christian, and that God's so holy, he can't relate to you. It's a lie. Jesus has experienced every temptation that all mankind has experienced, and he He is touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. And he has compassion on us. He doesn't just look at us in our sin with disgust. Now he despises what's evil, but he loves us. And even if we're tangled up with some stuff that's bad, it's not just that he's disgusted with us. He sees our weakness. He wants to help us. He's been here. You can't say, well, Lord, you don't know what it's like to be a frail human being. Yeah, he does. He was here. And he emptied himself of his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. How did he do it? He's God. And functioned like other men. And was tempted like other men. But he proved you don't have to yield to the temptation. He went his whole life and did not yield and succumb to temptation. Now the devil tried to tell you that. Well, that's because he's Jesus and that's impossible. He could do it because he's God, but that's impossible. No, he didn't do it as God. He became like us. And he did it as a man showing you could do it. Amen, that's right. Showing you can go day after day, week after week, year after year, and not yield to temptation. He proved it. But if you do, he's touched with the feeling of your weakness. 
He cares about you and me in your struggle. He was tempted too. Verse 16, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Here's what you don't do. Stay out of church. Quit reading your Bible. Quit praying. Hmm? And just delve further into the sin. That's the worst thing you could do. Because all it's going to do is get worse and worse. And the death is going to get stronger and stronger. And your spirit gets weaker and weaker. That's what the enemy, he tries to cut you off from anything that would feed your spirit. From anything that would feed your faith. From anybody that would love you and stand with you and help you. He tries to isolate you from that. He wants to destroy you. What do you do? When you've fallen, when you've been weak, don't run away. Don't run away. Huh? And you don't have to just come, you know, crushed. Come boldly. What? What? How in the world could you come boldly? Well, it's not because of what you've done. <laughs> or hadn't, how could you come boldly? The same reason that you could come at all. By the blood of the spotless Lamb of God that's on the mercy seat there. Hallelujah. By the justification of grace. That's how you can come boldly. Knowing that he's already chosen. Knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew you were going to mess up. And he still picked you. (laughs) He knew you were going to just be stupid at times. Slow. (laughs) And take 10 years to figure that thing out. (laughs) And he still loved you. And picked you because he saw something else. He saw that beneath all of that dumb flesh and all that stuff, there was something inside you in your heart that really does love him. And he knew that that would eventually win out. And he knew that you'd pick him ultimately. That's good. Over the world, over your own flesh, over your own desires, that you would ultimately pick him. And because he saw that and knew that, he picked you. He called you. Hallelujah. And he's always there. So what do you do when you need help? Come boldly. To the throne, not of judgment, (laughs) the throne (laughs) of grace. You don't need grace when you've done everything right. You can get by on justice. You need grace when you've messed up. You need grace when you haven't done things right. You did things you knew you shouldn't do. You didn't do things you knew you should have done. You need grace. Grace and mercy. And you know you know somebody there at the throne. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> you have friends there. 
You know somebody. So you come boldly to the throne of grace to get something, to get mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. We've already talked about some of that. When the Lord is working in you to get you to be willing to do something that you hadn't been willing to do, that's grace. Right? Certainly not earned, deserved. When he's working in you to give you the ability to do something that not long ago you didn't even know if you wanted to do. That's grace. That's mercy. But with enough grace. Grace is a big word that covers so much. Another word for grace is divine ability. With enough of God's favor and ability, you can come out of anything. You might say, well, I've never been able to. Don't underestimate his grace, though. With enough grace, you can come out of what you haven't been able to come out of in 20 years. With enough help. Do you believe it? With enough divine help. You can resist something you hadn't been able to resist for years. With enough grace and help, your faith can rise up to believe to receive something that's been too big for you, too far out for you. You can find yourself going, well, that's doable. That's reachable. God can do that. When last year, you wouldn't have dared believe for it. With enough grace, with enough help, you can come out of anything. You can come through anything. You can overcome anything. You can receive anything because nothing's bigger than him. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Oh, hallelujah. Can you say thank you, Lord? So we pray to prayer. What's happening in you? God is working in me. Two things. To will and to do of what pleases him. Of his good pleasure. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Put on the screen for us, please. Job 22. Job 22 and 28. Here's number two. Number one was you ask for him to work in you. Right? To will, even if you weren't willing, and to do what you hadn't been able to do. And then, according to Philippians 2.13, you confess it. You believe he's heard your prayer, and you say it. He's working in me. Hmm? And the time you most need to say it is when you're being tempted. When part of you wants to do something you shouldn't do. Especially then, you need to say, God's working in me. He's working in me to will and to do of what pleases him. But secondly, and this is something that I've used in my own life for 35 years now, at least. Anytime I found my flesh weak in an area, I have found I can use my words 
to bind myself from a bad thing, from a wrong thing. I can use my own words. In Job 22, 28, notice what it said. You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established to you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. Who's going to decree it? Who's going to say it? You are. The NAS, the New American Standard, says you will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. Well, light is additional revelation, and in his light is also life and quickening. But it was initiated by you decreeing something. Now, with that in mind, how many know Mark eleven twenty three? Put it on the screen for us, please. Mark eleven twenty three, that great faith verse. Jesus is speaking, and he said, verse twenty two. He had said, "Had faith, have faith in God," and he said here, verse twenty three. He said, "Verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe." Now, what is he to believe? Those things which he said. He didn't say what God said. Yeah, you need to believe what God said, but this is talking about something else. You have to believe what you say. It will come to pass, you'll have, he'll have whatever he says. In order for this next part that I'm talking about to work. You have to become a truth teller. You have to be done with lying. I mean, it's got to be a pillar that's down deep inside you that you take a stand on and say, I'm done with lying. I, I will not tell a lie if it hurts me if it costs me I'm going to tell the truth now this this is described in the book of Psalms talking about those that dwell in the holy place with the Lord in Psalm 15 Psalm 15 and verse 4 do you mind if I take my time on this? I'm laying a foundation here. Psalm 15. Let me just start in verse 1. It says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? This would have to do with abiding in his presence. Where he is. Well, he that walks uprightly. And works righteousness and does what? Speaks the truth in his heart. Does this describe everybody? No, it does not. Does this describe all Christians? Sadly, it does not. I've had preachers look me right in the face and lie to me. And 
You know, it's, it, I'm not talking about judging. It'd probably be hard to find in this room a person who has never told a lie in their entire life. As <laughs> soon as I said that, you quit judging the other guy. You said, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> but God hates it. That's not just my words, that's his. He hates lying. Not liars. Lying. And if he hates it, you should hate it. And the reason he hates it is because it is the chief weapon of the enemy of his soul and yours. Lying is so contrary to God and everything that he is and everything that he stands for. He hates it. The devil is the father of lying and deception. And it is the spirit of this whole world. Satan's the God of this world. And this whole world's environment is permeated with phoniness and falseness and deception. It's everywhere. Jesus said, I am the truth. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The word of God is the word of truth. And it's the truth that makes you free. But in order to be a man or woman of faith, your word has to be a good word. It has to be a word of truth. And if you lie part of the time, even a little part of the time, when you go to release faith to speak, your own heart won't be convinced because you know sometimes what you say is not true. It'll undermine your faith. Because in order to release faith, you have to believe what you say. Only way you can believe what you say is if you know you're a person who tells the truth. In order to have this kind of powerful deliverance and be free where other people don't get free, you need this. You, you think about this. People who have fallen in the same area, same area, same area, same area. Let's make it simple. Say you want to lose some weight and you eat too much pie. And so you were going to eat a piece of pie. Next thing you know, you ate half a pie. And then you came back later and polished off the other half. <laughs> And then you did that next week too, and did that next week too, and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. But then next week, you're going to eat a piece of pie, and next thing you know, it's a half pie. And this time, you ate the whole pie. You'll find it works that way. When you say you're going to do something, but it's not solid, you wind up breaking it and doing even worse because of the temptation that's involved. We must stop saying things we are not committed to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that and never happens. You go to the mall, spend too much money. 
Max out your credit cards. Have a fight with your spouse. Say, I'm I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Two months later, go and do it again. What's one of the biggest problems? You're a liar. Your word's not good. So it can't hold you. Y'all with me, friends? Your word can't hold you because you know it's not good. You must become like this. Psalm 15, 4. Don't get too concerned. I'm going to help you out some more before this is over with. (laughs) But we got to get this fixed. And I'll show you how you can do it. It's easier than you think. There's some wisdom here that makes it far easier than you might imagine. Psalm 15, let's keep reading. He said, uh, we'll back up. Where were we? Verse 2. Verse 2. He walks uprightly. He works what's right. And he does what? He speaks the truth in his heart. From his heart. In his heart. Doesn't backbite with his tongue. He keeps talking about what you say. He doesn't do evil to his neighbor. He doesn't take up a reproach against his neighbor. That's more of what you say. Verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honors them that fears the Lord. Notice what else he does. He swears to his own hurt and what? Changes not. The NIV says he keeps his oath even when it hurts. The BBE says he takes an oath against himself and makes no change. Said out loud, an unchangeable word. An unchangeable word. When you say it, that's it. There's not going to be a change, even if it hurts you. You're not going to change. Now, if you do function this way, you won't be quick to say it. You won't say things off the cuff. You won't just say things instantly and offhand. People talk that way because their word doesn't mean anything. And so it has no power to help them either. Their own word has no power to help them when they need it. Because they say, you know, to their children, if you don't stop that, I'm going to ground you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, they, and the child knows. There's no need to even pay any attention until they raise their voice and start shouting after they said it 30 times. Word means nothing. And see, that's not the kind of beings we are. No. We are created in the likeness and image of God. We are created in a different category from any animal, even the angels. We are in the God class of speaking spirit. We can choose our own words and release faith and power with them. This is like God himself does. What if God said stuff off the cuff? What if he was quick to say things and then said, ah, now forget it. I changed my mind. You couldn't have faith. You wouldn't know where to trust it or where not to trust it. When you came boldly before the throne, before you got there, you'd stop and ask the angel, is it a good day to talk to him or not? 
And I said, no, I wouldn't go in there today. (laughs) No, he doesn't say it unless he knows it, the end from the beginning. And until he's ready to put all his resources behind it, and then when he says it, it's forever. It doesn't need to be changed. It won't be changed. He's our father. We're to be imitators of our father. Like dear children. We don't need to say things loosely. What we're going to do. What we're not going to do. But when we do say it. It needs to be a, a commitment. It needs to be an unchangeable word. Even if it costs us. If it hurts us. We're not going to break our word. Our word means something. His word means something. And we're acting like him. Our word means something. And in that case, you can believe what you say. And your words become weighty. Your words become controlling and powerful. Do you believe it, saints? The complete English version says, they keep their promises no matter what the cost. They keep their promises no matter what the cost. Now, I should say this. He talks about oaths and swearing. That's Old Testament. Truth principle is is, is the same. But the Master told us in Matthew 5, 34, he said, don't swear by heaven uh, or other things he mentioned. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Don't say, I swear by this and I swear by that. Just say what you mean. Mean what you say. And you're committed to it. That's your word. Will you come help us? Don't say you will. Unless you're going to be there. Right? Right? You coming to church tonight? (laughs) I wasn't asking you to commit, but you just did. (laughs) Right? If you say you're coming, then if it's within your power, or, or you shouldn't say. You don't have to commit. We live in a society that thinks it's impolite to not give people the answer they have, they're looking for. And that's bad. That's part of what makes your word a weak word. Don't give people your word. Unless you, you got it in your heart to do it. And you're committed to keep it. Now you start operating like this and it'll, it'll surprise people and then some folks won't like it. But if you're going to get something different than what most people are getting, you got to do something different than what most people are doing. And this is one of those things. Your word must become a word of truth, a word of integrity, a word of commitment and power. You don't say it. Unless you mean it. But when you do say it, doesn't that sound like you're acting like your father? Yes. He wouldn't say it. Unless he meant it. Unless it was going to happen. 
But if he does say it, you can take it to the bank. Right? Once he said it, it's it. It will come to pass. He will do what he said he would do. Thank you, Lord. Let that, uh, let that sink in just a little bit. You'll decree a thing, and it'll be established to you. Go to Ecclesiastes 5, please. And I'll give you a couple of examples, and then we need to save the rest of it for tonight. Ecclesiastes and the, uh, what did we say, fifth chapter, verse 4. Again, he's talking about vows and oaths, but the principle is the same. You just don't vow by this or that. You just say yes and no. When you vow a vow to God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which you vow. In other words, do what you said you were going to do. Verse 5, better is it that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, and neither say before the angel it was an error, it was a mistake. See, this is something we need to be more aware of. Ministering spirits are assigned to us. They hearken to the voice of his word in our mouths. And so when we by faith mean business, and we speak a word that we're committed to, they are ready to act on it. And when we say something we don't follow through, it messes with them. And you don't want to say before the angel, sorry, I was just talking. That's a phrase I don't care for. I'm just saying. That's a bad phrase. What do you mean I'm just saying? I'm just saying... What do you mean by that? My words don't mean anything. I'm just talking. No. And then he talks about the works of your hands being destroyed. We want to follow through. We want the angels to be able to follow through. And what are they? Why are they able to do something for us that they're not able to do for everybody? Because we believe him. And his word is in our hearts and our mouth. And we speak a word that we'll, we won't change no matter if it hurts us. When I first uh, realized that we were, Phyllis and I were supposed to go to Ramah, and this has been back in, uh, this would have been 1980, we went to the camp meeting there in July and uh, did a tour of the school. And when we were touring through the buildings, the Lord dealt with both Phyllis and myself. We were supposed to go. Man, it seemed like impossible. We had no money. Country people, never been away from home. And uh, it just seemed impossible. But it was there. And all the way home, she and I talked about it. Are we really going to do this? I had picked up an application and took it with me in case. Well, I filled it out and as I'm filling it out, <laughs> I won't go through all the details, but I couldn't get my 
I knew two or three pastors, I couldn't get them to uh, recommend me. <laughs> Not because they didn't like me, they didn't like the school. They didn't like the word and faith and healing and prosperity message. They liked me. They said they'd recommend me for their school, but not that one. But I got hung up because you had to agree to not use tobacco. And I was using tobacco. My dad smoked cigars. I grew up around him, and I liked them. Oh, looking at me funny. <laughs> Could you love God and smoke? Oh yeah, there's millions of folks. <laughs> and so, man, for weeks, I'm thinking they won't. You know, the 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 thing was, do you use tobacco? Are you going to agree not to use tobacco if you come and go to school? And 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 I'm like. I got to agree that I'm not going to for years. <laughs> You're laughing, but flesh is flesh, right? I mean, I don't care what it, everybody has had something. And this is the reason I'm bringing this up. This is one of the first times the Lord taught me to use my word. And uh, so, man, I'm back and forth about that. So I'd go a few days and not use any tobacco. And then I'd use some tobacco and I'm back and forth about it. And finally one day I realized, do you believe the Lord's dealing with you to, to go to this school? Now this is, I had no idea that we'd wind up personally knowing and helping the Hagans, that we'd be involved in a healing school that hadn't even started yet, teach in the school, be there for 20 years. You know none of this. Yeah. Yeah. All you know is Am I going to give up tobacco? <laughs> Am I really going to do this and say I'm going to do this? And uh, I found out it was harder to quit than I thought. You know, I, I thought, well, you know, I can, I can take it and leave it when I want to. I just didn't want to, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Well, we got verses for that. Is that right? <laughs> He'll work in you to will and to do. I didn't know those verses yet. I wish I had known them. It would have helped me more. But the Lord knows your heart. And it dawned on me, I realized, are you saying you're going to pick tobacco over doing the will of God? Whoa. Come on. That you're going to let that cost you obeying and doing what he told you to do? I thought, no. I'm not going to do that. And it dropped in my heart. I didn't have the confidence to say, I'm never going to use tobacco again. But I had confidence to say, I'm not going to use tobacco for the next three months. As I mentioned a while ago, there's wisdom about some of these things, about where your faith is at. And so after pondering it for days, I said it. I said, Lord, with your help, in Jesus' name, I will not use any tobacco for the next three months. Now, we're going to find out, is my word good? Yeah. Right? 
I released faith where I was. I didn't say, why not say a year? Why not say forever? Because I hadn't used any since that time. That's been, what, 36 some years ago. But that's where my confidence was. And that's where I was willing. I believed I could release and keep my word. And I'd reevaluate it in three months. And I can resist temptation knowing, well, if I decide I'm, I'm going to do something different in three months, I can do this for three months. If your faith's not there, say it for a week. Right? You know, whatever it is. If it's watching pornography, if it's spending too much money, I'm not going shopping. I'm not going to watch the shopping channel. I'm not going to the mall for a month. Release your faith. And your words can anchor you and bind you from something evil, something bad, something you're trying to get away from. And every time it comes up, you maybe your flesh is pulling on you, pulling on you, but you got your word. And if your word's no good, you can't be a person of faith. Can you see what we're talking about? I'm not going to eat any desserts for a month. Whatever it is. I'm not going to drink any alcohol for a month. Whatever it is that's been bugging you. And between you believing and confessing that God is working in you to will and to do, and your word that's helping hold your flesh on the other side, you'll make it. Hallelujah. And like me, that three months may turn into 30 plus years. (laughs) Because I saw I I didn't need that. And it would hurt my witness with certain people and what I was doing. I loved God. My dad smoked cigars. He loved the Lord. But am I going to let this keep me from going to Bible school? Am I going to let this keep me from going in the ministry? You know? Even if part of me wants something my heart must want God more and love him more that even if I'm weak in an area, I'm willing to be willing and I'm willing to believe him and even use my own word to help stabilize me and secure me if just for a bit of time and what that does, that gave God three months to work in me about this. And by that time, I was stronger. And knew I didn't need it. Is that all right, saints? Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Father. Do you believe with me now that a lot of folks are getting free? And are going to stay free. A lot of people are getting free. And are going to stay free. Thank you, Lord. From things that, that other people go their whole life and never get free from. But we're more than conquerors. Amen. We're victorious ones by the greater one on the inside. If you would just close your eyes, just lift up your hands to the Lord and just praise Him and thank Him for answers. Lord, we thank You for answers. We thank You for help. We thank You that You are the gracious, kind, and good, and merciful God. Thank You. Thank You. Thank you. Come on, just thank him. Thank him for working in you.
to will and to do of all his good pleasure. Thank him. Thank him for helping you to become established in a word of truth. Your own word being a good word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to break free from all lying and all deception and all falseness. Show it, give us wisdom and show us how to function and how to release our words and how to speak when we should speak and not speak when we should not speak. Say it out loud. Pray this out loud too. Father God, strengthen me with strength by your Spirit in my inner man and fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I say by faith, I delight to do your will, O God. And I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody's getting free. Somebody's getting free. Somebody's staying free. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Great deliverance is being manifest. Great deliverance. Deliverance from appetites and addictions. Hallelujah. Deliverance is working. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Well, be sure, and as the Lord helps you, remember these things, how it happened, and you help somebody else. You don't have to be a a preacher, teacher, to share what worked for you. Right? And just tell them, you know, how God helped you and how it worked, and uh, it'll work for them too. And this can multiply. It can multiply all across the valley. It can multiply other towns. Other places, somebody say, so be it, so be it. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.